get started. This week we are going to start off in Parashat Sav, but spend most of our time. Thank you. Spend most of our time um, talking about the Pesach holiday. I'd like to dedicate today's class in memory of my mother-in-law. Today's her yurt site, Mrs. Grace Hittery, Geraz Bat Rachel Aleha Hashalom. She was a really wonderful woman and a, a, had the biggest heart of anybody I ever met. Also in memory of Sophie Bat Miriam Aleha Hashalom, um, and also the mother of a dear friend, Mrs. Rosalind Joan Steele. Also, Lilui Nishmato, in memory of Mr. Joseph Faham, Yosef Shaul Ben Sarah. Let's hope that their nishamot are elevated, and let's hope that this class gives all of us um, a renewed uh, sense of purpose and energy. So before I start, I want to say that many, if not most, of the ideas today stem from a beautiful piece that I read by Rav Uriel Etam. His last name is spelled E-I-T-A-M. In the case that you want to look up any of his other writings, he presented a wonderful idea, and I took it and formulated most of the ideas that we have from his starting point. So let's start first, before we go into the Pesach holiday, let's start in Parashat Sav, because Devadion Beyomo, each day we should honor that day that week with the task at hand. And it happens to be an easy segue for us. We discussed a little bit of this concept last week about not having chametz on the altar. And just to remind all of us, we had said we don't want to bring, if the altar is a representation of the self, then we don't want to bring ourself in our chametz format, meaning in a place where we see ourselves as already fully reaching our potential, as having already become, as having uh, um, developed fully as chametz. Rather, we want to bring ourselves to the korban, to Hashem, to the kohen who's going to represent us and show ourselves in a state of matzah, in a state of lowliness, in a state of not yet being and not yet realizing our full potential. This concept is going to take us, bring us into this week, Parashat Sav, where there is a command, Sav et Aharon, command Aharon and his sons, and give them the laws of the, we're going to see, of the Ola, of the Mincha, of the Chatat, of the Asham, of the different sacrifices that they have to bring. But I would like to state that the laws here are called Zot Torat. And specifically, I want to focus in verse 7. It's chapter 6 in the book of Vayikra, Parashat Sav. It says, Vizot Torat HaMincha. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the Mincha and expressing how the Mincha, which was typically um, also the poor person's offering, it didn't cost much to uh, gather flour and oil. It was the least expensive of all of the offerings. Um, they describe this Torat Mincha. They say, B'nai Aharon, the sons of Aharon, have to bring it to the altar. Veherim Mimenu, there's going to be, and we're going to see it in a few places, 
where there's a korbat mincha, it's going to be uplifted. Veherim mimenu. There's going to be this upward movement. We'll see later on, even with the breads that are brought during Shavuot, for instance, they are breads that are a wave offering. Omer hatenufa. There's this idea of taking something that is low, um, whether it's emotionally low, because a, a person who can't bring a more pricey korban may feel themselves diminished or low. This idea of raising up and bringing up and elevating, maybe that's a better word. This idea of elevation, we're going to see this theme um, and hopefully we'll see it in a surprising way as well. But there's an elevation, and again here it is stressed in verse 9 that matzot tochel b'makom kodesh. In a place of holiness, matzot are to be eaten. In other words, chametz doesn't really have a place in a place of kedushah. We're going to have to explain that, and hopefully we will throughout the course of this shiur. And so I wanted to show it to you because it's in this week's perasha. Not only does it say that you must eat matzot in a place of holiness, but it continues in verse 10 to say, lo chametz. Make sure that you don't bake chametz. And this idea of Yes, matzah, no chametz, is definitely a segue for us to our Pesach holiday. But I just want to specify one more thing that we see in verse 13, where it says, this is the korban that Aharon and his children are going to bring to God beyom himashachoto, on the day of they're being um, anointed, consecrated, dedicated. The day that they dedicate themselves to God, the day that they dedicate themselves to the priestly role, what is it that they're going to bring specifically? Again, a mincha offering that is made of flour and oil. And I want to, and this is going to be what creates a reyach nichawach. It's going to create a beautiful uh, fragrance for God. And it's written that the Kohanim, at least once in their lifetime, on the day that they are anointed, they're going to bring this mincha. So we have to ask ourselves a few questions, and I'd like to see them through the lens of the upcoming. Pesach holiday. Here again, it's stipulated clearly, Kedushah, holiness and holy places are reserved for Matzah, and there's no space for Chametz. Now, let's remember also that the Mishkan itself, the tabernacle, later on the Bet HaMikdash, that is a microcosm of the world, and that is the place where God is going to reside, literally stand together with man. And so when we come to the holiday now of Pesach, 
where chametz is one of the most negative, it's, it's like a dirty word, you can't say the word chametz on Pesach, it's as if you're uh, uh, going to get uh, uh, contaminated by it. We don't eat it, we don't have a trace of it, we don't see it, uh, we don't derive any benefit from it. Uh, it's sort of as if chametz is like the enemy chametz. It's uh, something to be totally uh, staying away from. But if chametz is such a terrible thing on Pesach, the question we also want to ask is, why is it permitted the whole year? Why is this one thing that is totally a staple of man's nourishment and sustenance, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz, we make prayers over it, we bless over it every Friday night. If we're going to eat chametz, we're going to wash our hands. There are so many mitzvot, we say birkat hamazon, depending on how much of the mat of the chametz, excuse me, of the chametz that we consumed. Why is this chametz or bread or lechem, maybe we could even call it, why is that permitted all year long, but prohibited? Why did, why did that become the prohibition for Pesach? And if you ask the question at the seder, then the children will raise their hands and they will answer because we didn't have time for the dough to rise. And therefore, we're going to eat matzot because that's what they ate back then. And there are many other things that we eat that have symbolic references, whether the charoset could be the cement or the bricks and the tears and the salt water. But none of those things are forbidden to the point of karet on Passover. And so maybe... And this is why I enjoyed this piece by uh, Rav Uriel Etam, is because he did what I love to do, is I wish I thought of it, the truth, but I can't take the credit. He takes us back to my favorite place in all Torah. He takes us back to Bereshit, and he takes us back to Gan Eden, so that we could once again have a relationship or understand what is being referenced with this chametz matzah story. And he says the foundations of Pesach are actually rooted in the story of Adam and Chava, in the sin and in the punishment. So let's start from the beginning. Very simply, I hoping that you have Humashim that have the whole, all the Chamisha Chumsheh, all the books, because we are going to spend some time in Bereshit, and we are going to go hopefully to Devarim. So if you don't have a Sefer, but have access to one now, would be a good time to get it. Um, we start our story in Gan Eden with two commands, a positive command and a negative command. And both of those commands, we should actually go together to Perek 2, Pasuk 16. And we have that same word that starts out Perashah this week, Vayitzav. 
I personally think our tzav and this vayitzav are completely connected because the command that God's going to give later on to the Jewish people is really rooted here in the command that he's going to give to Adam. Now, this is his command. He says, from all of the trees of the garden, you may eat. That I would consider a positive command. But from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, that's a that's a negative commandment. That is a, uh, a prohibition. And then he adds, because on the day that you eat from it, you will die. Now, the first question is, of all of the laws that are going to be given to man from his inception, from his creation, the first two laws are regarding or revolving around, I want to say, one of the lowest, according to the Torah, the lowest physical activity, which is eating. And how is eating going to fulfill all of our spiritual service in Gan Eden? So we have to go back a little bit and look at this a little differently and ask ourselves, what did we have at that point in Gan Eden? We had two major abundances. The first abundance was the actual produce. There was trees of every kind, of every shape, of every color, and of every flavor. There was an abundance of produce. What else was there an abundance of? Actually, our life force. There was no expiration date on man. The life force that God breathed into us was a continual source. It was like being plugged in and being charged constantly. There was never a fear that we would run out of battery. And maybe one of the things that God was saying when he was saying that from mikol etz hagan achol tochel, it wasn't just an invitation to eat from all the trees. It was that we were actually obligated to taste and enjoy all of the trees. And some of the commentaries say that the primary tree that we were intended to eat from was its hachayim. Meaning, if we ate from its hachayim, then we would be receiving continual life. The life force, Etz HaChayim, that's the tree that gave us life. But the one tree that we weren't allowed to eat from was the tree of knowledge. And it's not just called the tree of knowledge, it's called the tree of knowledge um, Tov Vara, Etz Hada'at Tov Vara. Within the tree of knowledge, there are intermingled, intermixed, good and bad. And so we actually had a choice in the, in the um, garden. Do we want to eat 
to live? Do we want to eat like eating from the tree of life, so that we could live? Was our purpose for eating in order that we could sustain ourselves and we could uh, um, have a connection to God? Why do I say eating from the tree of life gave us a connection to God? Because God is the source of life. You could think of it as a tinok, as a baby, as a suckling. When the baby is sucking from the mother, he's connected to the mother and has the life force flowing from the mother to the child. That connection was the original and ideal connection. The connection that we nourish ourselves and eat for the sake of connecting to our Creator. That was it. It seemed to be a very simple thing. But then, as we go on, we see that in the garden, and let's look at the, at the story together. Uh, oh, let's just add one last piece. In verse 17, it says, Be careful. Because on the day that you eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, then you will surely die. Death, and maybe I should say it this way, the opposite of chayim, the opposite of eternal life, is eating from the tree of knowledge, good and bad. And so it seems that here, Man is given a choice. And what is this choice exactly? It's a little bit more clearly defined in chapter 3, verse 6. When the woman is in the garden and she has a choice to make, what are her choices? Vatere ha'isha, the woman sees... Kitov ha'etz, we're talking about the tree of knowledge. She only sees the tov in the tree, because it's knowledge tovara. It's et hada'at tovara. But she only sees the tov. And she sees that it's tov lima'achal, that it's good for eating. And she also see, sees that it's ta'avahi la'inayim, it's delightful to the eyes. And maybe the word could be more, it's a desire. A ta'ava is a lust, is a desire. And on top of it, it was a very uh, wonderful thing to allow a person to make choices. And so she takes from the tree, she eats, and she gives it to her husband, and he eats. But here the question is, what was this tree of life and what was the tree of knowledge? And we know that the tree of life is going to bring us closer to God and the tree of knowledge is going to sever, is going to disconnect us from this um, life force that God is giving to us. And so now we go back to our Pesach question. What's the big deal 
between chametz and matzah, if you took it to a laboratory, chametz and matzah are really both made up of the same ingredients. They both are primarily flour and water. The only thing that distinguishes them is the chimutz, is the fermentation that turns flour and water into a bread rather into rather than leave it as a matzah. But when the flour and water ferment, two changes occur. One is that the dough rises, that's part of the fermentation process. And the other one is that now the dough has a change in appearance. So it doesn't just taste differently, it also looks differently. And contrasting to the bread, which looks better and tastes better than matzah, matzah, at this point, if you're going to look at the two of them, what is the matzah offering us? The matzah is offering us nothing but life. It is giving us life force, but it is not giving us all of these words that we're seeing, which are delightful and desirable (coughs) and that we would have an attraction to. If we're eating matzah, then we're eating, and this is where maybe I should just give you the punchline because I found it to be beautiful. Rabbi Yehuda is quoted as saying, when the discussion was made as to what type of fruit were they talking about, what type of fruit was that tree of knowledge, I know many of the depictions have it as an apple. That's like the artists in the Renaissance. You'll see that forbidden apple, that forbidden fruit. What was it? So you might have thought it was an apple. Some of the commentaries had said maybe it was grapes because that would intoxicate a person and maybe that was what that fruit was. Some people had said it was even maybe a pomegranate or even an etrog because it had that beautiful visual to it. An etrog has a crown on it. I mean, a uh, pomegranate has that little crown on it. An etrog is described in the Torah as being a beautiful pre-etz hadad, a beautiful fruit. So a lot of these ideas are circulating. For today, I want to share with you the... um, opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that the forbidden fruit was actually wheat. And just before you decide whether you like his opinion or not, I'm going to support it with what happens at the end. When God sees that man ate from the forbidden fruit, the punishment always has to fit the crime. And the punishment there is Bezeat Apecha Tochal Lechem. If the punishment's gonna fit the crime and he ate an apple, then God should have said, Oh, very nice, you plucked an apple without permission. From now on, every time you want to eat an apple, you're gonna have to sweat and you're gonna have to toil for it. But God chooses of all the foods on planet Earth 
He chooses to say, with the sweat of your brow, you will eat lechem. And then, I believe it's Rabbi Yehuda who goes as far as to say that if the tree of knowledge, if the forbidden fruit was lechem, I'll use a different word, was chametz, then the tree of life was matzah. And why is that such a beautiful reading of the text? Is because what God was saying and what Rabbi Yehuda is actually expressing to us is that wheat usually grew uh, as on a tree and when it ripened, it became bread. We can't imagine today a bread tree, a tree that already has a loaf of bread on it. It's something very, very uh, far out for us. But maybe what this is telling us, and especially in light of our upcoming Pesach holiday, it's saying that Pesach is going to return us to the choice that Adam and Chava had. It's going to direct us and it's going to say, choose the tree of life. It's actually saying something very beautiful. It's saying that the tree of life is still within our grasp. When we eat matzah, we're eating from the tree of life that says, I want to be nourished for the sake of becoming closer to my creator. If we take a second and understand with what we know today, with the nutrition, information, and knowledge that we have today, we know that if we eat out of lust or out of just filling our appetite or just because it looks good or just because it tastes good, we know that those foods could sometimes be harmful to us and they could become lead us to motyumat. They could give us the high cholesterol, the diabetes, everything that we know today about the way we ingest and take in food we know that if we eat food for the wrong reasons or in the wrong way, then we're not eating et hachayim. We're really eating in a way that's going to take us away or sever us from our connection to God. And what does Pesach do? It says, I want you to eat matzah. I want to give you a chance to eat again from the tree of life. And for certain... During this week, when you're eating matzah for one week, not only are you eating matzah, but the tree of knowledge, chametz, is forbidden to you. What's happening here is we're saying that on, and we know so much of this from the laws surrounding chametz, if you eat chametz on Pesach, why would we get karet if we ate chametz, which is normally allowed during the year, is because our focus on Pesach must be making the choice 
to connect ourselves to our life source, which is God, this time of year on Pesach, he's offering us an invitation and saying, connecting to me means rejecting chametz means rejecting going after those things there is man always has a choice he could follow his eyes he could follow his heart and it could stray him in the wrong direction that's what chametz represented in the garden and on pesach but now the other question is, why do we allow chametz? If that's the case, chametz should be the enemy and chametz should be banned. But not only do we allow chametz, we sanctify chametz, we, we turn it into the star of the show at most of our meals. And maybe the idea is that now that chametz, now I should say this, now that we are no longer... Um, in Gan Eden, we've been banished from Gan Eden, and chametz becomes our primary food. Chametz ends up being, excuse me, chametz or bread, I should say, ends up being the food that nourishes us, uh, that gives us life. Now we're going to recharacterize bread. And God is going to say, in your new state, humanity, I am not going to withhold from you the bread from the tree of knowledge because that's who you are right now and that's what feeds you. Let me say it differently. Right now, your circumstance calls for an intermingling of life and death. Since you're no longer immortal and you have both things, life and death, and you're exposed to good and evil, your idyllic um, existence is no longer and your immortal existence is no longer. I need to feed you with a food that mirrors who you are, that contains both elements, good and bad, life and death. And instead, and this is the crazy part, whereas before we weren't allowed to eat from the tree of knowledge, we weren't allowed to eat the bread, we only were allowed to eat the matzah from the tree of life, now, the craziest thing is God withholds from us the tree of life. And if you'll see it here, you'll t turn to the end of chapter 3 in Bereshit, the last few pesukim. I'll start in Pasuk 22. Hashem Elohim says, now that Adam is going to be like one of us and is going to know good and evil, maybe he's going to send his hand out and take from Etz HaChaim. And then he's going to eat it and live forever. God is saying it was a choice. It was eating from the tree of life and living forever, 
or eating from the tree of choice and not having eternal life. It, you can't have it both ways. And so God sends him from Gan Eden to work the earth that he was taken from there. And he chases him out and he puts him in the east of Eden. And what does he put? The Keruvim. He puts cherubs and he puts a flaming sword. Lishmod et derech et hachayim. Once we ate from the tree of knowledge, the tree of life was banned to us. We were no longer allowed to eat from it. But what is so beautiful about everything that we start to read um, as we move forward? So I'm going to say first is that if our banishment from the garden brings about a change in our human condition, and since we didn't choose the tree of life, now we are only exposed to the tree of knowledge and we are going to have bread and with the spread of our brow, we're going to eat bread. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to see that the thing that we took for granted, which was infinite for us, which was life, that's going to be the thing that we're most going to strive for. We're going to be um, it's going to be something that we are uh, um, going to desire, the eternal life, the idea of uh, good health and good life is something that everybody is going to, to strive for. Even though in the garden there was no concern or fear of our continued existence, that's the fear that we have now that we only have with the tree of knowledge. And so... Yes. Should I wait for later or ask you now? You could ask. I'll see if I could incorporate it. If not, we'll hold it to the end. Adam and Hava didn't understand about the tree of life. They were completely, what did they understand? They were alone. They weren't in the world. They had no experience. Okay. I'll just respond to that quickly. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Karen's question is, how could you, I think this is your question, how can you judge them based on their limited uh, capabilities or limited experiences? And the one overarching Torah view is, God reads the heart of man. God understands sometimes it works in our favor because that's why we have all these korbanot. He recognizes when something is done unintentionally and he recognizes what our intentions are. Hashem sees into the heart of man means that if he's going to punish any punishments that you see in Torah, it's because only God sees the intent. We can't see intent. So we have to go, or at least I'm building and basing my model on the fact that God that sees all and understands all and is privy to the recesses of our mind and our heart is reacting to that. And another little piece that we go by is God only gives man um, tests or challenges that he could handle. And he believed that he created man with the ability to be able to make this choice and you could say he even built into the system the plan B, which is what Pesach is going to be. 
The plan B that we're going to discuss now is that when we eat our matzah on Pesach, that's our way of saying we do want a connection with our Creator, and we do want eternal life, and we do want health. And eating this matzah, by the way, if you don't eat it, you get karet. It doesn't just mean that you die. It means that you're not part of the eternal existence of the Jewish people, that your soul is not bound together with Am and Klal Yisrael. Because what we say when we eat matzah is, we may no longer have eternal life as individuals, but as a nation, God gave us eternal life. God took us out of Egypt and made us assurances and promises And we want to buy into that and we want to respect and celebrate the eternalness of our nation. And if you're going to go and eat chametz, or I'll say it, you're going to take your hand out and eat from the tree, from the forbidden fruit, then just as Adam was expelled from Gan Eden, you're going to be expelled from the national uh, eternal existence. Um, I don't know if that answered your question or not, but I would like to add uh, a couple of pieces to this that tell us, and I'm glad you asked the question, Karen, because from the way I was presenting it, it may have seemed like we really botched it up and we really dropped the ball and there's really no coming back from that. Because God does send us out of the garden and he does put these swords and things to block the tree of life, to block the very tree that was supposed to be our primary sustenance is now forbidden to us. And we'd go into the future and the holiday feeling sad about it. But of course the Torah is so positive and so beautiful and so restorative in the way it's going to present the next few ideas. So if you have your Humashim, I would love for you to turn to chapter 12, because this is a Pesach-based oriented class, so I couldn't help myself but bring you to the Korban Pesach and say, the Korban Pesach is an opportunity to return to plan A, to return to the tree of life. How is it? In chapter 12, in the book of Shemot, in verse 4, it tells us about how and the quantities of the seh that we're supposed to bring. And it says, He and his neighbor should get together. I'd like to say, He and his shekhinah. Each man and his spirituality Hakarov el beto. Also, not only should you bring your spiritual side, but yes, you should, in a physical way, connect to your neighbors. It's speaking to both the physical and the spiritual. It says bimichsat nefashot. We're gonna cover up. We're gonna account for souls. What souls are we accounting for if we're going to be eating barbecue? eating roasted meat and nefashot don't normally go together. It's not a spiritual endeavor. Unless, of course, you read the next few words, which say, ish lefi ochlo. Each man, according to how he chooses to eat, which means 
Are you going to eat to live? Or are you going to live to eat? Are you going to eat for the sake of coming close to your creator and having a bond with God? Or are you going to eat to fulfill your desires, follow your eyes and your heart and your temptations and your desires? Which is it going to be? Ish lefi ochlo. It just so happens that man was created. We had seen in chapter probably one, when man himself <coughs> is created, it says, let me find it. Um, okay, it's going to be in chapter two, I apologize. Verse eight. I could spend all day in this area, but we have a lot to cover. So this is the second telling of creation. I'd like to... What pasuk were you on when you said ish? Ish I was on Pasuk 4 in chapter 12 of Shemot. You could stay in that area, or I told you we're going to be swimming around a little bit today. So I'm going to take you now <coughs> to verse... Um, Seven in chapter two of Bereshit, which I was going to mention that this is the second telling of the creation of man. So in the first creation of man, which was in chapter one, verse 27, it just says that Elohim creates man in his image and he made him male and female, but it doesn't say what materials he used. It doesn't have all those ideas that we have that he gathered from all the corners of the world and he made man out of all of the world. It doesn't have that. But here in the second telling, in the telling where the world is being described in verse 4 as Aditz to Shamayim, this, this building of the world from down, from below to above, here it does say that God formed man and he took afar min ha'adama, First and foremost, he took of the earth. So man is primarily and originally created of earth, of the land, rooted in the land. And then he blew into man, nishmat chayim, a breath of his, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I should say, of God's living breath, that's what he breathed into man. And now man is a nefesh chaya. He's part nefesh. He's part spirit. He's part chaya. He's part flesh and blood. And why do I say this? Because ish lefi ochlo means which is going to be the 5149, which is going to be the overriding uh, uh, influence in man. Is it going to be his nefesh or is it going to be his chaya? Is it going to be his soul or is it going to be his flesh and blood? And when we see words like in Parashat HaChodesh, when it says, Bimichsat nefashot, it says, Ish each man has an opportunity to eat in a way 
that will be able to recover his soul, that will be able to take his soul part, the part that God breathed into him, and make that his primary um, identifying part of his existence. I'll say it in this way because Karen is helping me polish it a little bit, so thank you for that is that when we leave Mitzrayim, we're being given once again the opportunity to eat from the tree of life and to reconnect to our life source and to let our nefesh be the governing um, attribute uh, inside of us. And when we see that, we see that not only do we start to make repairs for humanity, but if we, since we're already in Bereshit, four fingers in four different places in my homage, but since we're already here, let's just add to this the end, towards the end of chapter three, in verse 17, where God tells Adam, um, I'll start in verse 19 for the sake of time. Please feel free to read more extensively on your own. But this is the famous If you're going to want to eat bread, it's going to have to come from the literally the sweat of your brow. But then what does he says, say? Ad shuvecha el ha'adama. Because now that you're eating lechem, now that you're eating chametz, you're going to return to the adama ki mimenu lukachta. That's where you came from. And so man has two forwarding addresses in 120 years. And his forwarding address is going to be to return to the adama where he was taken from. That's here in verse 19. Because because that's what you are. You are made of dust. And it's interesting that we should say that the snake gets the punishment of eating dust all the days of his life. Why? Because his forwarding address is going to be only to return to dust. But man has what? Has a nefesh. Man has a soul. So he has a second place to go. Yes, his physicality, his nefesh chaya, his chaya part, his body will go down, but his nefesh is going to reconnect to God. And how, pray tell, are we going to reconnect to God if we don't eat matzah at least once a year? If we don't nourish ourselves in a way that forces us to reconcile, to, to recognize that our life force comes from our Creator. That's what matzah is going to uh, represent for us. So, not eating chametz, not eating chametz corresponds to a world which man is going to enjoy eternal life. Not eating chametz means eating etzachayim. Etzachayim means eternal life. 
But now that we are allowing chametz, the rest of the year, the other 51 weeks of the year, we are allowed to eat chametz because that corresponds to a world where we have partial life, which ends in death. It's part life, part death. So we're going to eat a food that is part and part, that is good and evil, that is intermingled, that has two things. But there's something definitely deeper about the uh, allowance of eating chametz, and that is that God recognized that if he withholds chametz, and says, okay, from now on, you only could eat broccoli, broccoli, broccoli. You know, you didn't want to eat your broccoli, now that's all you could eat is broccoli every day for the rest of your life. He could have done that. But you know what would have happened? If, I mean, no offense to broccoli, I happen to like it a lot. I'm just, it's known out there in the world as one of those vegetables that the kids reject. So I'll just say matzah, matzah, matzah instead to be more uh, appropriate. God should have said, you didn't eat matzah, now all you could eat is matzah. But the problem is that since you didn't eat matzah, you don't have eternal life. And look how compassionate God is. He said, if life is not a given, if life is not a guarantee, then what might happen to mankind? If he doesn't have anything exciting, if he doesn't have anything to live for, if he doesn't have all of the desires and the fun stuff and the all of the stuff that could possibly be harmful for us. The chametz was depicted as harmful to us. But if we don't have those, I'll use the words, guilty pleasures, if the world doesn't have any desires, then man might not have the drive to keep on living. And man might lack the strength to live life. If there's no fun in it, then what's the use of it? Why does anybody want to live if all they do all day is just eat matzah? For that, I'll see you later. There's no, there's no uh, um, drive. And so since God wants to ensure the existence of humanity... He's giving us things like taste, and he wants to arouse our desire and our appetite because that's the only way that we'll actually uh, take care of our survival. We need to have, in simple terms, something to live for, something to look forward to, something to become uh, excited about. And so God gives us chametz. He's giving it to us because in our new reality where there is an end to man's existence, if we don't have the things that make life worth living, we may not choose to wake up in the morning and live that very life. And so it's interesting that we overtly, we choose our choice, our inclination is to choose from the chametz, is to choose from the tree of knowledge, is is to have choices. Nobody wants to pick matzah is we choose those things. But really, in secret, we may not consciously realize it, but in choosing the tree of knowledge, this is now the reverse of what we had in Gan Eden, on planet Earth, when we choose to eat from the tree of knowledge, 
which means we choose to eat sometimes things that aren't, and I don't just mean food, of course, it's speaking of food, but practices and activities and things that we expose ourselves to on some level, choosing those things that may not be 100% healthy for us in an unexpected way, they end up being a life source for us. I don't know if I'm indirectly, I should say it that way. When we take something that may not be so perfect for us, may not be so healthy for us, yes, it may not be the healthiest thing for us, but it ensures that we have an appetite and a drive for our um, continued existence. And what happens now on Pesach is the direction of chametz is reoriented. What does that mean? It means that on Pesach, you're not allowed to have chametz, and then we count 49 days, and the star of the show for the Shavuot holiday is going to be bread, is going to be the wheat. Read Megillat Rut. It's all about the wheat harvest, about agriculture, about the bread offering that we wave, the Mincha Chadasha that we spoke about that's brought, that's, the, that's when we bring chametz into the Holy of Holies. So God originally says, if you want to stand with me in the Kadosh, in the Holy, you can't bring chametz. But now, if we bring chametz as part of an understanding that chametz too is going to be a way to bring us closer to God, that is going to sort of um, reverse the direction of chametz. It's going to make it something that is permissible and it's actually going to allow us to start to repair the original distancing. We're gonna, what once distanced us from Gan Eden, what once distanced us from God, which was the Chametz, is now going to be used as a means to bring us closer to God. Um, I want to give you a couple of little um, pieces that I found very interesting. Now that this idea was uh, presented, we said that the Korban Pesach is a way, it's a way for a man to eat in the right way. It's a, man, a way for a man to eat matzot. And eating those matzot is going to be a reparation for nefashot from Adam and Chava and our own nefashot, which were affected, because all of humanity was affected. And then I came across this, I also found it very exciting. If you'll turn to Parashat Beshalach, which is in Sefer Shemot, chapter 16, verse, I guess we'll go to 17. I'd love to read the whole thing, but there's not so much time. I'm dropping a pin if you are um, not inside of a sefer. I'll just tell you that we came to the place in the desert where God is going to give the people the man, the mana from heaven, the food that fell from the sky, which is, of course, going to be called lechem. 
And in this mana that is going to be called lechem from the shamayim, I'll just show you the words just in case um, you want to see it or highlight it in verse uh, 32. Moshe said that you need to keep this as, you need to safeguard this as a mishmeret, as something that has to be guarded for all generations so that you could see the lechem, the bread that I fed you in the midbar. And here we have this interesting concept. Before we go to that, I just wanted you to know that it's this man is also called bread. In verse 18 in chapter 16, they, the idea of the man is that it needed to be measured. And the miracle, of course, was that everybody had the perfect amount that they needed. But the words that are described here almost twice, I'll show you in, chat, in verse 18, it says the same words as the Korban Pesach. It says, Ish lefi ochlo lakatu. Ish lefi ochlo. Each man according to how he eats. What does that mean? Why does the man have to be given with the same words as the Korban Pesach? And we said the Korban Pesach is going to mirror a reparation for eating from the tree of knowledge because this time we are going to eat in order to come closer to God. And we're going to eat matzot, which represents the tree of life. Well, guess what? This is for Karen, because this is all part of their educational process. If you want to say that B'nai Israel, when they ate the Korban Pesach, was still not fully matured or understanding of what it means to have an existence of life connected to the Creator, because the commentaries will tell you we were in the 49th level of Tum'ah, of impurity. Or we didn't have, we didn't have the ability to call out or to talk to our God or to connect with God. And so if Korban Pesach was a way for us to connect to God, but it was our first connection, that we, we, we were still, uh, you know, infantile state. Well, guess what? In the desert... It has it at least three times in verse 17, 16, in verse 18, and then again in verse 21. It's saying the way you ate the Korban Pesach to reconnect with your God, each man is going to have an opportunity to make the choice of how he's going to eat and we have this Pesach, the choice that we say, when we eat our matzah, we are saying we are no longer enslaved to desire. We want to eat again from the tree of life, which is what the matzah represents. We're going to, rep- we're going to associate the matzah with our experience in Egypt. We're going to reconnect to this idea that we're eating from the tree of life, and we're going to recognize that Hashem resuscitated us in Mitzrayim. He gave us life. We were practically done for in Mitzrayim. But the way that he resuscitated us and the way he gave us life, he presented us again with all of the force that Etz HaChayim has to offer us, 
we believe that those of us who eat from his tree, from his etz chayim, the etz chayim is still there for us, for us to hold on to and for us to grab on to us, to, to it. And he is, what are we saying at El Sedes with the matzah? God is opening a path for us to have once again a renewed, idyllic relationship with him, one in which he is the parent, we are the suckling, we are the one that are getting our life force from him. And I'll end with this because if we're going to say that Pesach and Matzah is how our Sefer starts, is the theme of how man comes into the world, I find it very beautiful that in Sefer Devarim, as we're coming to the end of the Sefer, at the end of Parashat Mitzavim, we have in, at the end end of the um, parasha, we have in verse 19, it's chapter 20 in Devarim, verse 19, we have this idea that Hashem says, Ha'edoti bachem hayom. I am appointing as witnesses for you today, the heavens and the earth just the way our Sefer started out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ha-chayim ve-hamavet, life and death, the tree of life, et ha-chayim, and et ha-da'at, which is going to bring ultimate mavet. Natati lefanecha, I'm going to give you beracha and kelala, the choice is yours. Life, death, blessing, curse. I'm putting them before you. I am intermingling them to you now, now that you've eaten from the tree of knowledge. Both Tov and Ra are options for you. These are my most beautiful words. You could cry. And then God says, please, since you have the choice, the choice is yours to make, but I'm asking you, Choose life. Choose the tree of life. Choose the matzah. Choose the beracha. So that you can continue to have life, to have chayim, and to also pass this down to the next generation. Again, what we're doing at our seder table when we're eating the matzot, if we want to have an intent, an intention, a beautiful intention would be, I am eating this matzah because God is granting me the ability, inviting me and giving me the opportunity to eat this matzah, which corresponded back then to the etz hachayim, which corresponded to the idea that God is our life force, he is our parent, who is going to take care of us unconditionally, and he is going to see that all our needs are met. I hope and I pray that the matzah that we eat at Al-Sayyidiz this year gives us that life force and reforges our connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we choose to live a life that is filled with uh, nourishment and everything that is healthy for us. 
Um, next week is Erev Pesach. You'll forgive me, but I don't know that I could get myself together to teach a class. <laughs> so um, if for any reason I do anything before that, you'll be notified through the channels that you get your information. Um, but I just want to wish everybody a happy, a healthy, and Etz HaChayim Pesach filled with prosperity and beracha together with your families.